Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a man who was drafted 14th overall by the New York Rangers in the 1974 NHL Amateur Draft. He played 657 career NHL games, scoring 71 goals, 246 assists for 317 points. He was also the youngest player to serve as captain for the New York Rangers and captained them to the 1979 Stanley Cup Finals. In 2009, in 2009 the book 100 Ranger Greats, he ranked number 34 on a list of all-time Ranger Greats. From 95 to 98, he was a studio analyst for Fox NHL Saturday. He currently serves as a color commentator on Ranger Radio Broadcast alongside Kenny Albert. Howie Carpenter and I were honored to have him write the forward to our book on the 1978-79 Rangers. It is a thrill to welcome number 26, the captain, Dave Maloney, to Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Dave. Hey, well, thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? Doing great. You know, listen, it's strange. As a Ranger fan, when you were not in the playoffs yet, you know, every week during this playoffs, something good in Rangerland has happened. So I'm doing really good. They've generated lots of positive news. The latest in a series of offseason moves happened on Friday when your former teammate, John Davidson, was named president of the Rangers. In the forward to our book, you did, um, you said this about J.D. J.D. was the absolute backbone of our run was the play of John Davidson. Acquired for St. Louis in 1975, J.D. was a key both on and off the ice. His athletic, uber-competitive game belied his size. To me, he was a bigger version of the guy who would, uh, in 1994, backstop the Ranger franchise to a cup, Mike Richter. Battling injury down the stretch to this day, I believe, had J.D. been 100% healthy, our cup chase may have very well ended differently in 1979. Just as significant was J.D.'s impact in the locker room. He connected with everyone, from the training staff to the players to the coaches. As time moved on in the first in the league history, the Vancouver Canucks would name their goaltender, Roberto Luongo, captain. From my perspective, J.D. could have easily been the first goaltender captain long before Luongo was the first. So to me, the big takeaway in that, First of all, from you, who was the captain, to say that is pretty awesome. But when you said he connected with everyone from the training staff to the players to the coaches, how vital is that skill set for him now in this new role as president of the Rangers? Well, you know what, Mark? I think he showed, he, he's shown just that in his post-playing career, right? I mean, he, he, he went on to become a, a, you know, if not, he changed the color analyst role when it came to preparation and doing your work. And uh, for the longest time, the guys, you know, they just showed up and you, 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 you talked about what you saw. So he, he went behind the scenes. He got to know people. He got to – and to, be, to have the ability to do that, you, you have to be able to connect with people. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's any surprise. He starts the GM in St. Louis, gets himself to the presidency there, and moves to Columbus. So, you know, as I thought about – um, John's the announcement for John uh, coming up uh, that came was just that. I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me in the least uh, because his track record right from those days in the locker room with him, um, his whole career has been the ability to manage up, manage down, manage sideways. And, and I always thought J.D. was the consummate guy's guy. Um, and yet he never offended anybody else. He never offended women. He never offended management. He was a locker room guy. Um, and it's, that's 
been him. Now we have fast forward to uh, 2019, and here we are. He's come full circle back uh, to the range of franchise. And even more circle is pretty interesting because he takes over from a role that a legend, Glenn Sather, held. And interestingly mm-hmm. enough, he and uh, Glenn were teammates in J.D.'s rookie year in St. Louis. Right. Um, so J.D. is also, as you mentioned, not a stranger um, to New York, not a stranger to the position. New York is a little different, obviously, than Columbus and St. Louis. Glenn is still connected to the Rangers. How much do you think J.D. will use Glenn as a sounding board at times? Or do you think that J.D. will try and maybe move away from, from Glenn and, and forge his own identity in the position? Well, you know what? I, I, not to use the resources that are available wouldn't be prudent, right? I mean, uh, that being said, I think John J.D. has to kind of quickly establish himself as the new sheriff in town. And and he, but I I don't foresee that being difficult at all. This is not uh, a neophyte management type. He's been, you know, he's on the uh, the hockey hall of fame committee. I mean, John has just had a wonderful career. So should he use what he can from the experience that Glenn's had, um, working with Mister Dolan, working with different people in the franchises, in the franchise? Sure, he'd, he'd be smart to do that. Um, and yet, I, I don't assume that it will, will be long before uh, JD establishes his brand, uh, running one of the original six franchises. You know, it's interesting because you, you mentioned his track record and what he was able to do with Columbus. It, it, unbelievable and what he did in St. Louis and you take a look St. Louis where they are now is is you know one game away from the final it is large in part to what he set the foundation there for mm. um, it's kind of almost the perfect time like Ranger fans clamored for Mark Messier to be the head coach when when AV was gone and you kind of look at it and you say to yourself why would Mess want to step into that situation at that point where the Rangers had still had some success, and then he would tarnish his reputation. However, the Rangers announced at the beginning of last year, the, the end of the year before, that they were in rebuild mode. So there really isn't that external pressure, but right now they're right in the midst of a rebuild, and where they mm-hmm. draft and, and the guys they've signed from Russia that are coming over, they're right in, in they're, they're set up perfectly. Do you think that was a big factor in, in him telling Columbus he had the out in the contract saying, listen, the range of jobs available. Do you think it was just a perfect storm for him to come at this point? Well, I, I think as it, as it would turn out, and I'm sure you know, have, with having conversations with J.D. moving forward, um, it, it sure sounded like this was, if there was an opportunity to come to New York, this was the only place he'd come. Or outside of what he was doing, it, you know, you when you look at what's gone on in Columbus, uh, and I think perhaps the factor there was getting, you know, we're Panarin and Bobrovsky, two two pretty important guys moving forward, and and in recent history of that franchise. Uh, but I would be putting words into JD's mouth. I am not a hundred percent certain. I I think the key is, can he come to some sort of awareness? Um, that what Jeff Gordon and Chris Drury have done, and and Glenn have done in the last year and a half, two years, what has to be done, and and staying the course, and and yet uh, it'll be interesting because we all think um, that this is the proper way to build, build from within, create the culture, 
uh, and then perhaps when the time is a little more ripe, to add those kind of filler pieces, the bigger marquee pieces. Uh, but having not talked to John uh, about the Rangers extensively, um, I, I, I don't know what he thinks, but I, I do hope that he kind of looks at it and says, you know what, there's some good stuff going on here, and let's just stay the course and see what happens. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because, you know, in the course of right, Howie and I writing the book, I, I spoke to J.D. for an hour, and I went back mm-hmm. the day that he was hired and just listened because I remembered some certain key things. So I want to play a, a clip. Uh, I have a few of them, short clips, and get your reaction mm-hmm. to them. This first one is about playing in New York, and this is what J.D. had to say. It's complicated a little bit when you're trying to win in New York. It's just different. <laughs> and... and and it's a wonderful thing because if you ever get a, a, a chance to pass that test, first of all, I'd recommend to all players, if you have a chance to play in New York, play in New York, at least for a while. And then if you can pass that test, you can pass any test. And that's a demanding uh, way of playing the game from everyone involved. And that's good. In fact, it's fantastic. It toughens you up. It makes you learn how to win. It makes you learn how to deal with losses. It makes you how to uh, learn how to deal with your own emotions when things go, don't go well and when they do go well. So how much of J.D. coming into this role is about that, wanting to test himself, wanting to make it here yet in another role? You know, he, he took a team here with the Rangers to a Stanley Cup final. He made it to the Hockey Hall of Fame as an announcer here in New York. You know, this is just another one of those boxes. How much of that competitiveness to succeed in New York, do you think is also driving him for this? Oh, there's no question. You know, I talked to him, I met you, he was uber competitive. <laughs> um, and you don't, you don't have the career that he's had without wanting to be good at what you're doing and enjoying success. I mean, it, it defies logic from a competitive standpoint that you take a job um, or kind of aspire to get to a position without uh, thinking that the ultimate goal is to win. So I, I think that um, I would be shocked if uh, J.D. had expressed any other uh, sort of sentiment about being here in the city. And I think there, there are a couple things about playing in New York that are, are different. Are different. The, you know, the practice, it's a big city. Uh, and, of course, I finished my career in Buffalo as a player. And I, I remember when I got to Buffalo, I asked how close was the practice ring. It was 10 minutes. How close was the airport? Ten minutes. How close was the odds? Ten minutes. You know. So and then so what it happens. So what happens is it's it's a lot easier to kind of cultivate that intimacy that a group really needs uh, when you're in the smaller markets. The other side of that, if you can catch fire, of course, in a bigger original six franchise, and particularly in this city, uh, then it becomes an event, right? And that's that that really drives the process and until you've been involved in that time where it's not just a game it becomes an event and it becomes an event in manhattan becomes uh, an event in new york and until you have an opportunity to do that you'll never comprehend what that's like fortunately for us as players um we were able to do it in 78 79 but it hasn't happened a lot right? right um and there was a long time where nobody wanted to come to new york because you, you 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 know you go back to the trade what they made for Phil in in um, November of '75. He said, "Just tell tell me it's not New York." Right. You know? <laughs> because I think when you come into the city, now the city's a lot different. We're talking forty years later, right? 
Right. I mean, it's a lot different setup. A lot different setup. On the other side of that, though, when you know, prior to the salary cap, right? Um, the Rangers, the Flyers, Detroit, the big uh, teams could—they were the teams that would pay, right? But now everybody can pay, so you've really got to establish something uh, when it comes to the free agent market. And one of the attractive things becomes New York because it is New York. But you still have to have—you you still have to have something going on here. So there's no question that, uh, I, to, to my understanding and observation. Uh, you know, you look, when the Yankees get competitive or, or are competitive or the Mets or the Jets or the Giants, it becomes an event. Right. It becomes a talking point for everyone. And that's the unique thing in, in, in the world's greatest city. I think that's the uniqueness of trying to be a winner here in New York. Absolutely. The buzz that's created in a, a winning New York team, you can't replicate that anywhere else. While I was talking to him about the book, you know, it was you know, setting him up from when he was a, a Ranger, his first season with the Rangers, and there was a weekend in Philadelphia where back-to-back he faced 103 yeah. shots, and we talked about yeah. the young Ranger D, and it, it kind of spurred on another conversation. So we'll play that clip for you now and get your reaction afterwards. It just it just took time. I mean, you think you mentioned Dave Maloney, you mentioned Mario Marowa, others, right. Dave Ferris, right? All, all uh, Gresh, even they're all kids, right? We were all young guys, and it, it, you, you got I don't care what era it is. It's hard to be a real good team, especially defensively, when you're really, really, really young. That, and yeah. for the most part, we were. <laughs> Ranger and fans so, better get used to it this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's right. And yeah. you know what? Uh, at least they're being out front about it, and yeah. it's just the way it is. And and for me, and after I've gone through it twice, I think it should be very interesting to see how watch the kids grow, watch them develop, watch them get better, and then one day it's going to pop, and you're going to have a very good hockey club. Yeah. So when you hear that, it's pretty apparent that JD and Rangers general manager Jeff Gordon are somewhat on the same page. The only difference is for me is that yes, that seventy-eight, seventy-nine season, the Rangers D was very young. But in talking to every guy on that team, it was clear that Carol Vadney really was a tremendous leader and really showed that young defensive core the way. I don't, I'm not sure that Kevin Shattenkirk can be that guy. So in your opinion, mm-hmm. do they need to go out and get one veteran guy? Because this defensive core is probably even going to get younger you know, with the addition of Fox mm-hmm. than it was last year. No, I think you have a guy, Mark Stahl. I think people have to believe the value of Mark Stahl is, you know, he, you know, Vad was more of an offensive player, and I'm not sure how old Vad was at the time, seventy-eight, seventy-nine, but I, I'm betting he wasn't far off age-wise, Mark Stahl. Interesting. Um, and I think he the, might have been the, a little older. Look that up. He, I, I thought he was in. Well, yes, yeah, Stahl's right. They might be exact same age. We'll, we'll look that up. You know, That's a good point. So, but people forget about. Listen, I don't. It, the thing is, there, there are a couple things listening to JD, um, which if you if you believe in the fact that you've got to grow that seventy eight seventy nine team, if they had left it alone, if the Ranger franchise had left it alone, who knows, right? We lost Farish, Talifus, and Pierre Plant in the World Hockey Draft. Then we trade uh, for Barry Beck, who at the time seemed to fill fit what they needed at the time, right? It was this big defenseman, strong, could. But that cost Hickey, McEwen, Deblois, 
to she a certain degree, uh, Bobby Sheikat. Now, whether she and Chin, as I mentioned in the book, he was he was that one of the factors that came out of nowhere. Right. You know. So uh, my point is, with listening to John talk, you, you have to be patient and you have to do it the right way. And I think now, if we're talking specifically about this, uh, the present roster, I do think the blue line needs to be addressed. The problem is there's, there's some big money on that blue line. <laughs> and how do you, if you have to move it, or what do you do there, right? But I, I get a little chagrin when people forget about Stahl. Mm. You can't forget about Mark Stahl. Mark Stahl, is a, he still can defend. He still proves that you've got to defend. If you can defend, you can still play. And he's got an awful lot of respect in the room. Yeah, and he had a huge bounce-back season this season as well. He, he was did. the most consistent it, defenseman on that team night right. in and night out for sure. And you, and you know what? You're 100% right. Because, uh, in the 78-79 season, Carol Vadney was 33. This coming season, Mark Stahl will be 33. So good call on your part right there. I have one more clip to play for you from J.D. Right. And, and okay. it was something he had said to me earlier in the interview, and this was kind of how we closed out the interview with him. There is one thing uh, you know, that I'm going to remember the quote because uh, maybe when uh, one of your guys becomes a free agent, if he gets that far, you might want to tell him, you know, you recommend everyone play in New York once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll see where it all goes. He's good. He's yeah. really good. Yeah, he is good. He- so it's obvious the guy I was referring to was Artem Panarin. Uh, for the longest mm-hmm. time, has been linked here. But now the Panthers hiring one of his former coaches in Joel Quenville, the fact that the Panthers also have his childhood friend in Dadanov, the Panthers are a great destination for him as well. How much do you think J.D. can sell Panarin on New York? Well, one of the greatest horse traders alive uh, is retiring as the president of the New York Rangers, and that's Glenn Sather. And he said, you can say what you like about um, perks and cities, but at the end of the day, money will determine most things. (laughs) The reality is there's no state tax in Florida. And if it is Florida, there seems to be a lot of things that would line up there. Um, You know, uh, it's a little bit like Stone's contract out in Vegas, right? Right. That $9 million contract in Las Vegas is 11 or 12 in New York. Right? On a, on a, that's what the Rangers will be forced to pay. Which, mm-hmm. listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't pay it uh, or can't pay it or won't pay it. I, I just think, here's what I look when I think there's no question Panarin came in here and gave 81. He was the best player on the ice, scored the winner, and uh, was it shootout or overtime? He tied the game late and then won the game, right? Yep. Now, if you look at the franchises vis a vis where they are in their development, I think you would you would have to kind of agree, or I, maybe you don't, or maybe people won't, that Columbus is a little further along. So with Panarin, it took him to game 80 to get to the playoffs. And it comes back to my point, I just, I just, I think you're better off just kind of let this thing grow. Hmm. Let this thing grow organically. Because you bring in a guy at twelve million, now you heighten the expectations, yeah. and you're not—it's not real. It's not real. There's enough good things going on, I believe. Now, if Mister Dolan decides that that's what they're going to do, or the Rangers, then we, you know, we get behind it and we all push together. 
But when I look at it now and I go, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. It's your, you're, you're in a place now that, that, that a guy, is, he's not going to take you to the playoffs. Right. Uh, now, maybe you sign him for two or three years down the road. So it's a, it's a, it'll be an interesting July one. It, it really will be. And um, I, I just think, and there's no question, uh, John knows Artemi Panarin much more intimately than the rest of us know. Right. He's seen him play night in and night out. Yeah. So, yeah. so if he, he thinks he could be a big addition, you know, he's the guy that would know right. for sure. Uh, right. One of the other interesting things is you know, the Rangers didn't get the first overall pick in the draft, which sometimes to the Rangers is probably a good thing. You know, would you get number two? Because if the other team picks the wrong number one, it's not you, and, and then you had no choice at number two. But the interesting thing is the night of the draft lottery, you know, it was assumed that no matter what, the Devils are going to take Jack Hughes and, and then Keiko drops down to the Rangers. But Keiko's emergence over the, the last year, and, and especially the way he's dominated the IIHF, it's not a given anymore that the Devils will go with Hughes. Which of the two players do you think is a better fit for the Rangers and why? Well, they're both good fits. I, I, I mean, I, I don't think you're looking at it. Like, there's, a, there's a couple things you have to look at. Um, Jack Hughes has not played against men. He's five, whatever he is, five nine, five ten, right, so 160 right. pounds. Uh, Johnny Goudreau, he's compared to Goudreau, right? But Goudreau came out after his junior year of college. And, and he's 22 then. 20, there's a big, big difference between the between an 18-year-old at 5'10 and a buck 65, and even a 22-year-old at a buck 70, 5'10. Big difference. Now, the upside, the other guy has played against men for two years at the Finnish League League, and he certainly hasn't looked out of place in the World Championships, right? But I think, you know, it just presently, Kako probably slots into the lineup. Presently, you have to kind of understand that Hughes' upside is probably greater, but he may not be the impact immediately that Kako's going to be. The bottom line for me is either way, you're going to get a good player. Yeah, an impact right? player. Exactly, yeah. You're going to get an impact player. The one guy looks like he's better prepared to play. He's a bigger player. He's played against men. Now, the thing with Kako is he is – uh, grown up and nurtured on the big ice, right? Right. And I and also too, there's an adjustment there. There's a little more room to hide. Although he doesn't look like he needs to hide. I personally really like the Finns. Their grit. The Finns play with a skill and grit that that's almost Canadian. But now in this latest generation, <laughs> the Finns have more skill than the Canadians. But the thing is, it, it's there's a lot of good things with Kako. And there's a lot, a lot of really good things going to come with Jack Hughes. I think one guy's a little better uh, prepared to step in. It'll be very, very interesting to see who the Devils take. Yeah, it, it, there's intrigue now for sure. Yeah, so right. it's, it's kind of interesting. I would want to ask a question with philosophy-wise about growing it organically mm-hmm. and the difference between Kako, which I would agree is more ready to step right in. But with the Rangers in their rebuild and being transparent about it, and Jack Hughes becoming the second overall pick, let's just say, would they be more willing to play him at an earlier age, or would we not see Jack Hughes for maybe a couple of years? 
Well, the thing is, we really, I don't know that he's committed anywhere to play, right? I, I, and you guys may know whether he's committed collegiately. His brother went to Michigan and stayed for two years. And um, I don't know who has his draft rights. In the, and I think he'd be an OHL player. would be shocked if he didn't end up in London. Right. But he could go to Hartford because he's an American kid. Now, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. The good thing that you have in place here, um, from that standpoint, is David Quinn. Exactly. Yeah. That's another connection you know, there, too, right. You're, that's another angle to the story that that I'm not sure, um, although Heinz, you know, the Devils are a very nurturing franchise. I mean, either way, it, but it is a good question. It, it is a good question. Would they be, would the Rangers be inclined to throw them to the Wolves right away, or would the Devils? Either or. Um, that is a good question. Where you, I don't think you have that question with the other guy. I have one last question before we let you go. Um, and... You know, sometimes we take calls here, obviously Twitter, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Ranger fan base, you know, it's sort of, you know, granted Henrik has not won a Stanley Cup, but Henrik is pretty much the equivalent to Mariano Rivera when it comes to Ranger goaltenders. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy has been a rock. People that don't see him night in and night out in the locker room or his practice don't really get his competitive nature, how hard he works, how much he wants to win. Uh, at 37 years old, he's uh, going to be the second oldest starter in the league behind Roberto Luongo. This past year was, uh, you know, Henrik had an average season. By his means, obviously, you know, a down year. Um, he, there was a noticeable dip, obviously, the second mm-hmm. half of the season, but some of that's contributed to the D in front of him. Uh, Gorgiev had played really well down the stretch. Now you throw in the fact that his heir apparent in uh, Shostorkin is coming. He's signed. That's a crowded crease. 78-79, you guys had J.D., Wayne Thomas, and Doug Sotar. How do you see this three-goalie system working out? And you know, what, what do you see as the Ranger-goalie tandem next season? Uh, I, I, I think a three-goalie situation never works. There's only two nets in practice. That's, <laughs> that's the first starter. And I would be surprised if it wasn't. If all things being equal, Shesterkin is a guy whose numbers are off the chart. Crazy. But, Crazy but off not the chart, off the chart on a relative basis. Because the guy who took his job going into the playoffs was Helberg. Um, uh, Magnus Helberg, who was with the Ranger franchise for two years, played in Hartford and, and was had a bit of an exposure to the NHL. I, I think Shesterkin, it'll be interesting because, again, it's a smaller ice. It's a different game. And it's a different game for the goaltender. You know, your angles are different, and all those things. And the plays on top of you much more quickly. Now, Shesterton, if all things being equal, you would hope that he would agree to go to Hartford. Mm. And then you ease, you kind of, you don't front load Hendrick, and you commit yourself to extending Georgiev to really see if he can be a number one. Those are the things that that I think, because really on a relative basis for a rebuild, the, the most important position in most franchises, I, I think you can look in the Rangers and say, you know, it, it, it's not as big a concern as it might be in other places. No, absolutely. <laughs> so 
you know, you can kind of breathe a little bit easier from that standpoint. And then, so I think the big, the, again, I, I, you know, I followed Shesterkin. and I've never seen him play extensively. I will be the first to admit I, I never played goal. Um, and, and it is that unique position. But I, realistically, that's what I think many would probably think would be the best way for that thing to play out. You never him to come over here. You never, even if he had a great camp, <laughs> let him play in Hartford for six weeks. See how it evolves with Georgiev and, and uh, Lundqvist to make your decision there. And if you've got to make a hard decision, you're in a good spot, right? Yeah, absolutely. All, yeah, three right. Right. all three are talented. All three are talented. Exactly. Yeah. Because, you have yeah, wealth right. and goal. Saying, oh, my God. Now we got to make a decision the first right. of December. Yeah, yeah This absolutely. guy's knocking the cover off the ball in Hartford. <laughs> Looks like he's acclimated. And our three, three guys are all playing well. Okay, we'll, we'll make that decision. <laughs> yeah, it's a good decision to have. You, yeah, well, right. well, well, you've never played goal. I do remember you uh, watching David Letterman play goal against you. So, that yeah. was, uh, so Dave, yeah. I, I want to thank you so much for your time tonight, as well as always having time to talk hockey with me at MSG. And most importantly, yeah. for being part of that team that cemented my love for the Blue Shirts, that amazing 78-79 <laughs> team, and for writing an amazing forward to the book for Howie and I. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate your time tonight. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for calling. And anytime, it's always fun to uh, chat. And you know, it, it's funny when uh, you asked uh, me to be involved with your book. And and I got to thinking back, uh, a just how quickly time went yeah. then, and how quickly time has gone by, and how many memories there were were, were really uh, you know garnered during that run. So all in all, it's good stuff. And at the end of the day, it's pretty sure say it's only hockey. That's the fun. <laughs> I'll see you soon at MSG. You'll be here before we know it. Thanks right, so much. Buddy. Have a good summer. You got it. Dave Melody, the youngest captain in New York Rangers history, MSG color man.